Life doesn't always turn out the way you thought it would, and we know that firsthand. We were both homeschooled in a band together called Elmo Whedon, grew up in the Bible Belt of Texas, and raised with fundamentalist Christian values. We both went to Texas A&M University. Whoop! We were both married with children, later divorced, and we've been navigating relationships post-divorce for better or worse, probably worse. I'm crying. As we all know, there is a lot of power in having someone to talk with about what's going on in your life. And that's how this podcast started. Just two friends hashing things out. We don't have the answers, but we are pretty close. Just kidding. We hope these conversations resonate with you as we reflect on the irony, tragedy, comedy, and the oh-so-tangled webs we weave. I'm Cecilia Rhodes. And I'm Joe Hameter. Welcome to Tricky Situations. Hey guys, welcome to episode nine. We're really excited about this episode. Uh, We're interviewing our friend Christina Cooper, who lives in New York City, and we get into her story as we do with everyone. Uh, She shares about her upbringing. She's actually from College Station, Texas too, which is funny because that's where we are now. And um, so yeah, she shares about her story growing up in church. Uh, she gets into a, a little bit about her family, um, some some kind of various abusive situations that she's been in in her life, um, and how I guess her communities of faith and people that she you know talked to about that stuff handled it. Uh, so we're we're honored to have her share her story. Uh, with us as it's not not easy to put that kind of stuff out there. Um, exactly. And we're also excited to be delving into the Enneagram, which if anyone knows me knows that I am all about it. Um, Christina has done a lot more research than even we have, um, delving not only into your types, um, your wings, but into your subtypes and kind of showing us how the Enneagram doesn't just tell you what your personality is. It actually tells you who, why you've become who you've become, uh, depending on how your childhood shaped you. So uh, we couldn't be happier to have her on and uh, hear her heart on her own story and her thoughts on the Enneagram. Yeah, so thanks so much. And um, stick around to the end if you want to hear a fun story about the New York street people. Uh, she's got a good one. All right, guys, thanks so much. We are back yes, for episode are. nine. How are you feeling about it? I feel good. Yeah. Just another day, another podcast million. <laughs> another day in paradise. Yeah, it's always a good time. Yes. Uh, it was nice to go see your sister's new place this weekend. Yeah, that was fun. Um, spent the weekend in Dallas and... Unfortunately, I had to labor on Labor Day, so I was back uh, in town today. Yeah, we were actually supposed to do another interview. Uh, It didn't work out, but I'm excited. It's going to be a good one, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nobody is safe from the interview because (laughs) we want to talk to all the people. All right, so uh, we've got another special guest today. We're interviewing Christina Cooper and she hails from New York City. 
very jealous. New York is one of my favorite places. Literally yeah. New York in the fall. There's nothing like it. I've never been, but I definitely want to go. I thought you had been to New York, no? I have pretty much ignored the East Coast of the United <laughs> States my entire life. I would not want to live in New York, but I freaking adore. I don't know. I love it. There's something about it. I mean, you have to like the city if you're if you're talking about the city. Also, upstate's beautiful. One of the most yeah. like beautiful states I've ever been across. So a little bit jealous. I think I'll be going up sometime in the near future, probably. My dad lives up there and I haven't been up to visit him yet. So Oh, that's right. Totally yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, that would be good. The uh, he he's in upstate too. So Oh, he is. For some reason I thought he was like in Pennsylvania or something. Might as well be. <laughs> I mean, it's all like <laughs> New England. Yeah. I don't really know what's going on over that side of the world again. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and bring in Christina. I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah. I got to catch up with her a little bit uh, the other night on the phone just to get a little pre preamble. And uh, she's she's pretty fun, fun person. So I'm excited to bring her in. Hey, Christina. Hello, guys. Hi, how are you? <laughs> good. How are you? We're great. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. <laughs> we're really excited. Yeah. Can you hear me okay with these? Headphones. somewhat i think it'll work all right well thanks so much for coming on we will make that sound a lot better but uh <laughs> yes we will no. so um awesome. i was introduced to you by your cousin kelly yeah and mm -hmm. it's funny because i met her like maybe like 15 years ago or something at um a brazos valley troop sleepover thing wait 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 is this the kelly that my sister knows i think she probably does because they were going at the same time in troop to get my sister promised roads used to be in troop she was in troop for years so anyway that's crazy what okay. a small world of course yeah uh and then yeah me and kelly grew up like uh sisters because we all we my whole family grew up in the same town okay. and we're like pretty similar ages okay so. yeah awesome. so uh so you're from college station I'm from College Station. Yes, I got the heck out as soon as I could. Like we all try to do. <laughs> Alexa, right. back then. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I went to Nashville for school, first job in Orlando, and now I'm in New York. Awesome. And how long have you been in New York for? I have been here. I just hit my seven years here wow. like a few days ago. Awesome. I guess a few weeks ago. A time is... It's a time warp right now. And how long were, did you say you were in Florida? Uh, about two years. Okay. And and you did a, yeah. a different job than you didn't do now or? Yeah. So my trade uh, for what I studied was graphic design. Okay. Um, I started at a magazine in Florida. Uh, it's like a Christian magazine that, yeah, that's the whole thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then... I had to get out of there because of the work environment, funnily enough, um, and eventually got up to New York. I had a mutual friend that I worked with there that was, like, coaching me, and she was like, actually, you should just come up here, and I was like, no, thanks. I'm good. No, it's really okay. No, really, and then finally I was like, okay, maybe. I don't know, and then I moved up here about a month later. So oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so what was your first, yeah. like, week in New York like? Um, well, actually it was, so I've, I had never been to New York until I moved here. Can I ask um, a quick question? You're in actual like New yeah. York city, correct? Or, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So um, I had never been to the Northeast at all before I moved here. And so my first experience was like flying in with my suitcases and stuff, which was a little bit traumatizing. <laughs> um, and I was staying at a friend's house in Jersey because her uh, family was just wonderful and let us stay there for free until I found an apartment. Um, but actually, I had two days to find an apartment because I had to go back to Texas for Kelly's wedding. Um, and so I literally had to go find an apartment in the city I'd never been to figure out the subway system. Um, and I just remember I went with the guy that I was dating at the time because he was going to help me find a place. And we were on the train back to Jersey, like the first day. And I was just like almost in tears. So, so stressed out. And I was like, what am I doing with my life? Like this place is ridiculous. Um, and this guy next to me on the train, it's like rush hour. So everybody's like really quiet and just like right up next to each other. And so we're sitting across the subway from each other. And the guy next to me like lifts up his cheek and like literally just farts on oh. me. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, are you kidding me? And I like look at my boyfriend at the time and he was like, kind of like, what? I was like, <laughs> I was like, get me wow. out of here. Oh my gosh. So that was like my first uh, intro to New York city. It was not the best. Uh, now I love it, but it took quite, quite some time to decide that. Did he say so. anything or did he just kind of like let it out and just like move on? It was like nothing happened. Right. It was just like nothing happened. I guess there aren't any like, words for that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Is, but you know, um, like the subway or um, I haven't, I've used the one in New York a little bit. I love New York actually, but um, to visit anyhow, I don't know. I might like living there. Who knows? But uh, I've uh, been over to Paris multiple times and so went to school over there for a while and learning how, like how the subway or like Metro works is like once you get it, you get it, but it is like a nightmare. Those first like three days or so, you're just like, and I want to cry. And I don't know how many times I yep. took the wrong one or was lost. So yeah, that is quite intense. Yeah, or going the wrong way. Yeah, and then to <laughs> have somebody just be like, oh yeah, whatever. Just, you know, that's awful. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you. It, the first few months were, I was just wrong everywhere mm -hmm. I went I was wrong yeah. just everything I did I was wrong I was like I I can't win it's fine I'm I'll figure it out eventually <laughs> That's how long did it take till you felt like you were kind of uh, like settled in and at home there if you do feel that way um it probably took probably like six months honestly um I was just like a ball of stress the first six mm -hmm. months yeah. and questioning everything all the choices I've ever made <laughs> you know um but then I think around that time was when I was like okay I think I can make this work I'm not getting lost every day right. starting to figure out what to do with my job um, I was working at an agency here <laughs> doing like website and app design um that I had no experience in before I got the job so I was like starting to kind of get into that rhythm and stuff and um, I think about six months was when I was like, okay, like, I think I kind of think this is sort of cool, I guess. <laughs> That's pretty quick, actually. Like when I was in Hawaii, I, I think it took me probably, I don't know, like at least a year and a half, two years. There, Yeah. I mean, people in Hawaii aren't as quick to kind of accept, um, people just moving to the island because a lot of times they'll only mm. be there for, you know maybe a year and then they leave so 
it's a little harder to, I guess, make friends. And I, I feel like that's a big part of feeling like you're settled in somewhere. And so, yeah. yeah, it took me, it took me a little while to feel like super dialed in. But once I got to that point, it was, it was pretty, pretty good. I mean, it was good all the way, but yeah, it took a little bit to get really comfortable. Comfortable yeah, no, enough I feel to fart you. on I feel people like on like here. the bus and stuff. <laughs> Right, right, totally. He was definitely there for more than two years. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So do you think you'll ever move back to Texas or do you like me? Um, if my mother has her way, yes, I don't ever plan to. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I don't know. I also like never, I always never wanted to move to New York. Right. And you know, I love it. So I'm trying not to ever just say, no, I'll never move somewhere. Yeah. Um but for now, I like it here. That's awesome. So. Yeah, it's yeah such a fun city too, man. I mean, right now, yeah. of course, with everything going on, I'm, it's probably not the same, you know, as I remember it. Yeah. But freaking love it up there. Yeah, my the I mean, now it's kind of fun because like all the restaurants are open and just opened on the street, so everybody's got all these oh, like tents and cool. tables out on the street and like took over the bus lane and there's just people everywhere, which is like an extrovert stream, you know? Um, but the first month or two was really rough and it was like a ghost town. It was like kind of creepy. I was like, wow. I mean, the first three weeks I was sick. Um, cause I got sick pretty early on. And then, uh, like once I got better, it was just like dead. You couldn't do anything. Did you get COVID or yeah. you had something else? You did have it. No, I had the COVID. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. I'm a survivor. Well, I know, yeah. you know, New York was, I mean, hit hard with it. So, or at yeah, least, at I least mean, from down here, that's, you know, the media was like, oh my God, like, you know, I, it's all that's happening in New York. So I always am like, yeah. is it, how bad is it? You know, but. Yeah, it was like a dirty little secret though. Cause it's like, even at work, it was like, nobody said anything about the fact that I was out for that long because of that. Oh. Like they kind of just told people I was like. <laughs> left the city for a while (laughs) because they were like didn't want people to freak Mm -hmm. out because at that point I was out of contact with people for so long it didn't matter but just people were kind of panicking about how did did it make you feel I guess when you were sick it was super isolating Mm -hmm. um I was also I moved into a friend's apartment they graciously uh it was like around the corner from my work and they were just like hey we're going to be in texas for the next however long this lasts because they have kids and they live in a one bedroom and they were like we gotta go can you just like stay in our apartment make sure it's okay and then you don't have to take the subway to work and um I was like great sounds good and then I got sick and I was like sorry I'm infecting your apartment (laughs) I'll clean it before you come back Like literally the day before they came here, I was like, I swear I lifeballed everything. And like, it, I mean, they were gone for three months, yeah. so it was fine. But um, yeah, it was, it was isolating. I moved within a couple of days. <laughs> I got sick and then I was stuck in their apartment for like three weeks. So, so were you literally just by yourself yeah. the whole time? Yeah. Oh, lots of Zoom calls. <laughs> lots of Zoom calls. how did your I mean if you don't mind sharing like how did your body handle it like what were you kind of feeling yeah I would say mine was on the mild side compared to some of what I heard people having like I never had to be hospitalized um but I like literally I would just lay on the couch I'd sleep in I'd wake up I'd watch 
I binged several shows because I couldn't get off the couch. And if I did go to the kitchen to get food, I came back and I was like out of breath wow. <laughs> just from going to the kitchen. Wow. And this isn't like a Texas house. We were like going around the corner and then around whatever to get to your fabulous like five like, feet, kitchen. Five foot like, walk. Right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was, I think when I was like, no, I'm not crazy. This is definitely real. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we're glad that but, you're safe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Me too. It's, it's been <laughs> wild, you know? Yeah. All right. So yeah, you, uh, you, when you first uh, reached out to, <clears throat> to us about podcasting stuff, uh, you, you kind of mentioned uh, something about, church trauma and uh, the idea of us talking about that so I was like well maybe you should just come on and talk about it but we don't have to go straight into that we want to hear a little more of your um, backstory and it's chances are it's pretty similar to ours since we know that you uh, grew up here in College Station so take her away yeah no yeah totally um I like you said grew up there um I went to Consol, which at the time was the only high school. In yeah, Station, isn't it crazy how many there are now? It's insane. Yeah, I, I mean, like, do we even still have a rivalry with Brian anymore? How does that work yeah, with football? Exactly. So <laughs> many questions, guys. Um, but yeah, so I grew up um, in one of the bigger non-denominational churches there, and honestly, like, did you say what what great. it was or no, or or do you not want to say? Oh, I can. I went to Grace Bible oh, okay. Church. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, great church. I I think we switched churches when I was like five from like a Baptist church, which was what my parents' background was. Um, and I mean, I learned a lot about the Bible, obviously. I learned a lot in all the children's ministries, VBSs, all the things, mm-hmm. you know was the full participant. My parents were in uh, the worship team. So I was always there like an hour early before every service playing under the pews, waiting nice. around for things to start, you know? Um, and I mean, we, I remember having like a, there was like a pastor that had to step down for like moral failings when I was younger at one point. And then like, <laughs> you know, that was a big thing, but our family just kind of was like, well, like why would we leave the church when he's not going to be the pastor anymore anyway so that was kind of always the like thing and I know that like my family has always been very much like I always thought of it as very forgiving and very like you know we we're going to stand by people no matter what and I think and I'll get into that later a little bit um I think in some ways that's a good thing and they do it out of a good heart and sometimes it's out of kind of just trying to pretend things aren't happening you know, get over them. Um, so yeah, my kind of like childhood was like pretty conservative. My parents weren't like crazy, crazy conservative. Like some of y'all's stories (laughs) I like would laugh at because I definitely had friends like that, but that wasn't necessarily kind of my upbringing played outside a lot, but like also like very much like, Oh, if I don't know their parents, you can't spend the night at their house. Like kind of parents, you know, like, still a little bit like protective and stuff um and like good parents i know would you say that that's just a good parent yeah yeah good good parent like generally (laughs) generally kind of wise for the most part like 
they did the best stranger danger gotta be careful about that yeah (laughs) it was a pretty good job um my parents are great actually um they have their flaws but you know um but like yeah there was i mean the biggest thing in a lot of the story with like church hurt like it's kind of tied into this too there was like a lot of abuse that i was going through when i was a kid and it had to do with like a family member we were my dad's like one of five kids and all of them like were in our hometown so like i said i grew up huge family but it wasn't my immediate family if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um and so was dealing with that when I was a kid but I was very young and so kind of like it was like one of those like uh dealing like uh what's it called like suppression you just like forget about things you know um but I was had all the symptoms like I was very anxious I was very like kind of depressed I remember going to counseling when I was like in junior high and was like why am I so depressed all the time and nobody I just was like oh it's because I'm self-centered that was kind of the conclusion (laughs) me and my counselor came to um which now that I look back I'm like are you kidding me I was like showing all the signs of like traumas happened clearly like there's not you know what I mean um and same with like the churches it's like oh you know just you know lean into Jesus more and lean into like all these things which I'm not saying is bad either but there was just no space for like, you know, maybe a medical healing kind of a process with your brain and yeah. cognitive behaviors and things like that. And, um, yeah, that, and so that's a, I, that's a big one. We, we talked about that on one of our episodes and, mm-hmm. and I think that we both kind of experienced that. I know that I did mm-hmm. personally, like I had those because of like family trauma and stuff, you know, and you're being in, you're in the church. Like, it's like you put it on yourself that you're not, like happy and it's it's kind of Mm -hmm. crazy i mean i don't think anyone in church was ever like you should be happy but you know it wasn't it wasn't like this um it wasn't the immediate reaction to suggest counseling or like some other intervention it's just like you know prayer prayer, circle it up that's what i was gonna just about to say Mm -hmm. that and it's hard because i know (laughs) you know a few people have gotten offended um you know, by things we've said on here and it's like, you know, you know, whatever it is about, and I haven't really talked to Joe about some of these people, but, you know, kind of this idea that, you know, not that we're mocking God, but it kind of is like on the verge or, you know, and it's like, it's not that we're talking, we're just openly talking about things that have happened and other people have come to us and said, you know, that, wow, this happened to me as a child, you know, abuse, things like that. And then I wasn't okay, (laughs) you know, and then I couldn't get help even when I tried to get, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and, and so that's what I was going to say. It's like, even if there is any type of counseling, um, it's, you just go to the other, if you're a woman, the other ladies in the church, or it's man, other men in the church. And, and, you know, if it's really bad, you might go to the pastor, but the thing is, and not that I'm sure pastors see a lot of things, but I mean, Joe and I've like freaking beat this like a dead horse, but it's like it's important to have a professional help you yeah. understand because they've been trained in like you're talking about brain emotion, all of these things that control our you know, I guess our thought processes and and emotional, you know, I don't know, processing, especially as a child. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely it's I've learned so much 
through counseling over the years now that like I think about it and I'm like why why do we do this in churches like I know it's out of a good heart I know it's out of like wanting people to like get better but like if you're not qualified to deal with this that's okay right someone to somebody better like it's really not it doesn't mean you fail it doesn't mean you're a mentor like just you know it actually means you're going to help them better yeah exactly don't try to do that because yeah exactly there'd be so many like specific I mean and that goes even into my New York life like you know I had an instance here that I was going through some hard stuff and like you know went to confess to my mentor like at the time what was going on and it was like at first there was grace and then like the next time it was like okay church discipline and like now (laughs) you can't be a leader now you can't do this now you can't do this and you're like okay I I mean I, I get it like sort of but like now you're just checking out and we're not mm-hmm. gonna wait you're not oh you're not gonna help yeah. me you actually just yeah you only have grace if I'm like really trying hard and really yeah. like trying to be this person that you like think fool I'm me once to be strike one active. fool me twice <laughs> strike three <laughs> right exactly <laughs> yes. oh man and so I feel like that's been my experience a lot with not everyone in churches, not all churches, but um, I've had a lot of experience, I'll say, with that being the case with whether it's like abuse or sin issues mm-hmm. or actual sin issues. Um, and it's, it's, it's tricky, if you will. Um, <laughs> nice. Because... Yes, it is. <laughs> I appreciate that, Christina. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I try. Uh, because, you know, sometimes as you, like I've learned about traumas I've learned about just like coping mechanisms like a lot of things that we do are to like deal with whatever's going on with mm-hmm. us and it's not necessarily even like you know because you're like just trying to be bad because you're trying to be right. bad you right. know like absolutely and so it's hard so you're like if you're just paying attention like mm-hmm. I'm making a mess of my life right now it's not because I think I'm cool right. like, yeah exactly you know wait so uh, let me rewind about how how about how old were you when some of these things started happening very young like I I mean I don't remember all of it so very young but like definitely five-ish somewhere in that like range um and when I finally remembered uh all of it I was in high school and I just like nosedived because I was like f all you guys (laughs) (laughs) you know and um I it was it's always been weird I've never not believed in God Mm. um I don't I can't tell you why I just (laughs) It's just like, no, I know that's real, but I literally was like, you're real. And I just don't care. So I'm going to go do my thing and like meet you later kind of a thing. Um, And so as all good college station, all college stationers do in high school, you go to youth group on Mm -hmm. Sunday and do all the things and stay in Bible study and do all the things. And then you're partying on the weekends Mm -hmm. and hiding it from your parents and your youth group and your youth leaders. And and then you see all your other, it's like you're, it's like there's the sex of like, you know, people who aren't really Christians that party. And then there was like all the Christians that we see Mm -hmm. each other in church at church and you're partying together, but you like keep each other's secrets at church, you know? 
Um, I was, I was not, uh, in that group really. I was actually in theater and party with my theater friends. So I didn't actually get the cool factor with the mm-hmm. party because nobody knew I partied. Did you, did you go to, were you a part of troop as well or no? Or was um, that just theater like in school? No. Theater company. Just theater in school. Yeah. Oh no, okay. no, no. I wasn't okay. a part of that. Just in, in school. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just kind of was like, whatever, I'm just going to do whatever because I don't, I just couldn't make sense of anything, you know? Um, and like, you know, was like sleeping with my boyfriend and like doing, you know, just doing all the things kids do when they're trying to be stupid and whatever. Did you, or like, did you tell anybody what happened and you just felt like you weren't heard or didn't get help or did you just not tell anybody um, and you felt, you know, just was like, well, I guess there's nothing I can do. So I'm going to just do what I want. Yeah. That's, that's part Mm. of the, I think what started all the, like, what is going on too, is like the few people I told, they just didn't know what to do Mm. and like, just didn't, and and it's that's not like now I look back and I don't blame them because I get it. Like, how are you supposed to deal with with it? Like with that kind of thing if you aren't trained right. in it or have no experience in exactly. it. But like, it definitely was just like, okay, well then, the people I respect, people I'm telling, are not helping mm-hmm. me, and then they're what feels like to me judging me for m- making bad behavior choices. Right. And so then I was like, well, then I'm just not going to tell you what I'm doing. I'm just going to go do yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. Makes sense. Um, so and can, so I, can I ask you, like, what oh, yeah, triggered those memories to come up? Like, how did that kind of come about? It, it was a theater exercise, actually. Oh, wow. uh, my theater director literally made us, um, we were sitting on stage in, like, the dark theater. He turned all the lights off and we were doing the. I, I literally can't even tell you what this exercise is for. So if somebody wants to reach out and, like, tell me, oh, it's because of this and this and this, great. I have no idea except for, like, let's see how if we can, like, bring up the trauma in everyone's life. Wow. Um, because he literally, like, turned off all the lights. You're sitting alone on the stage in separate spots. And he's, like, think of the worst nightmare you've ever had and just, like, live in the emotion of oh that for the next gosh. five minutes. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was like thinking, cause I was like, most of my dreams aren't that scary once I wake up. And I was like, okay, well, I'll keep thinking. And then all of a sudden I remember a dream I had that was similar in like stuff that happened to me. And then all of a sudden it made me remember everything mm-hmm. else. And I just like lost it on stage and like couldn't talk. Mm-hmm. And my friend kind of came over and like hugged me and was like, are you okay? I was like, oh, I'm not okay. Wow. You know? Um, and like, literally I'm to the stand so like what was the point mm. of that exercise like I don't see yeah. how that was a healthy way to show high schoolers how to act better wow but, yeah crazy. so that's how I kind of remembered all of it um but yeah and then I went to art school and that was just a field day mm. so Where'd you go up to art school at? um I went to the art institute in Nashville um, so I had wanted to go like as far from Texas and as far from Texas culture as I could. So I really wanted yeah. to go to like Boston. Um, and then I ended up picking Nashville kind of randomly. And then my, my mom's like family is near there and stuff. So I like kind of had some ties to it, whatever, and ended up there, but like, didn't really want to be there. And, 
don't know. It was, it was kind of a weird situation altogether with a lot of cumbersome details, but um, ended up there and kind of the same thing. I was just like kind of trying out churches, mm-hmm. but then eventually it was just like, why am I pretending? Mm-hmm. Like, like I know I believe this, but like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And just, you know, kind of did the whole like art school kind of crazy thing. And then, you know, you hit that rock bottom moment where you end up in a situation that you're like, I would have never mm-hmm. expected that to be my story. And you're like, oh, like if I continue, like it's I, like the moment I'm thinking of, I don't really feel like it's healthy to share. But uh, it was like a moment that I was literally like, I'm 19 years old and I'm already here. And if I'm like already here now, like where am I going to be in 10 years wow. or 20 years or longer? And I was just like, it was just like this wake up mm-hmm. call of like, oh, I can't keep doing yeah. this. Like I got to make some changes. But I think that was the first time I started reconstructing my faith as an adult. Mm-hmm. And so I think I read the Bible for the first time all the way through. Like I'd never read most of the old Testament. Um, I like, you know, just tried to kind of figure out what I believe, what things I learned that I agreed with, didn't agree with, didn't know what I thought. Um, And I think it's one of those things. It's like the more I've learned about it, the more I'm like, Oh, I just don't know a lot of things. And I kind of have to be comfortable with that. to coexist in this space, you know? Right. Um, and then, you know, at 21, when I graduated, it was like, oh, I have it all figured out. And like, now I'm just going to move to Florida and live my Christian life and be this new Christian person. And, you know, it's, it's just been funny to watch myself like kind of tailspin a bunch of times basically. Yeah. And like, um, like part of that, it like it's a weird string of like abuse throughout my life really like in Florida that same person um we ended up in like an, a similar situation yeah. as adults and I was just like what, like, what is, is happening going on? Right and, now? yeah I, I talked to my parents about it pretty much immediately and like obviously they were like whoa like what you mm-hmm. know but then kind of same thing it was like kind of like what I was saying with that first pastor and just like being like you know what people make mistakes Mm -hmm. it was like that but then it was like well he makes mistakes so like we gotta forgive him and I'm like yeah Mm -hmm. okay but like hello um what's what's uh going on here with me right now can you like engage with me can you walk through this with me and not be like confused why I'm still in counseling six months later or whatever and right same with my churches it was just like nobody really knew how to it was just like I was just burden and nobody really knew how to handle it and wow. or if I I was okay to be upset at first but then if it took too long to like heal right. it was like not okay yeah people it's, it's interesting to me how I don't know either there's people out there that just don't believe that like mental, emotional abuse, all of that, you know, obviously physical, but then the mental healing that it takes from whether, whether it's emotional or physical, um, what it takes. And it's like, and I've said this before, I don't know if I've said it on the the podcast, but it's like, 
you know, my doctor would, when I was going through stuff, she's, you know, she was talking about like, if you break your femur, like how long it takes that to heal. And, you know, we don't expect you to jump out of bed and be, you know, walking a day or two later. It's like months and months, if not like a full year or more for full recovery, you know, if you get, you know, and it's like, but we think with things that abuse, but that the way that it affects you mentally, we expect people just to snap out of it. And it's like, that's not how it works. And it's funny. I mean, I've, and I have said it, you know, it's the same thing, not the same type of thing, but similar situation where it's like, well, you know, we prayed for you or, well, you know, you, we told you that you were not acting right. So, you know, now you should be acting right, <laughs> you know, the next day or whatever mm -hmm. it is, you know, and it's like this, when you go through these things, it's like, well, I acted this way or went through the, you know, X amount of years. And now this is happening. There should be, some, you know, look at the signs, you know, or like you were saying with your counselor, like you had all these signs like, well, you know, and um, so I don't know, it, it's, that's the biggest thing. I think it's important to, I don't know that our podcast is, but people need to be aware. I think it needs to be, especially in these um, kind of church, the church world or whatever, people need to be um, just, I think, aware and encouraged more to go to actual doctors and um, certified therapists and things like that, you know, to get the healing that they need yeah. and to realize it doesn't happen overnight. And you can't send me a scripture that tells me, all the terrible things I'm doing wrong and then say, I can't, you know, whatever, associate with you. You have to like work through all that stuff. You know, I don't know if there's a time frame that somebody should have on healing or, you know, you know, not acting a fool, you know, and trying to like get your life back together or whatever. But I definitely don't <laughs> think this little short amount of time is the, is the answer, you know? or like kick them out or, or like you said, a lot of times people are just don't know what to say or do, but. Yeah. Yeah. So just to clarify, um, it was a family member and then mm -hmm. you initially met with your pastor, um, at your church or was it a counselor? Um, both. Okay. Well, the first time nobody, it was just like, right what yeah. you know but when i was an adult yeah like both right so. oh, tricky <laughs> thanks for sharing yeah. that. that's uh that's a big one so so yeah did you end up okay so you were talking to your parents and then not getting a lot of feedback it sounds like or maybe just this kind of the for you know forgiveness <laughs> route. Um, and then, so how did you kind of resolve things, I guess, in Florida? And was that why you ended up moving or was it, was that totally separate? It was totally separate. Okay. It was like a um, happy accident, honestly. Okay. Um, just like timing worked out well and I was able to get some like physical separation from the situation, but um, it's actually been, I mean, that was, over seven years ago and it's been an ongoing thing and um you know there have been multiple fights with my parents there were several Christmases I didn't mm. go home because mm. I just was like I just I don't know how to deal with this and I love you two both wow. but like I you know we would just talk through it it's just like it felt like we were just going in right. circles and never could really 
I never really felt heard or understood or I would feel heard and then something else would happen or, you know, and this last uh, fall actually, which was like, I had some other stuff I was going through this last fall, like like another assault Mm -hmm. and just a bunch of different things that I was like already going through. And then my, uh, one of my cousins kind of was privy to the information that happened to me and um found out that there were like more people involved than he thought with this person mm-hmm. um and decided that we need to actually talk about this as like a bigger mm-hmm. family at Thanksgiving wow. and last like, year you know got my permission yeah this last Thanksgiving and he's like got my permission and you know things like that and um when it came up it like went off like a bomb in our wow. family and one of my aunts reached out to me um and like I know what all the others thought or said based on like hearing it from different cousins yeah. or different people <laughs> but like that was it and then my parents called me obviously and talked to me but it was it just became the same thing it was like mm-hmm. it was all about like we just don't want to excommunicate this person from the family. And, um, and I was just like, I'm sorry, I'm not asking for that. I'm just like saying that like, there's things that like you covered up for so many years, you didn't know what to do with it. And that actually hurt us more, or you're just not like working, you know, you're not being on the side of like somebody who needs help. Right. That's not helpful. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah, and it's so. like, and too, that it's like, need, there needs to be an understanding. We're like, well, you don't have to excommunicate the person, but I'm putting up boundaries and my boundary is I'm not going to be there. You know, those kind of things or whatever yeah. it might be, because I'm sorry. I don't, it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's my parents or somebody else, you know, no matter how close you are, it's like, I'm not saying it's easy because my sister and I have talked about this a lot in different, you know, all different scenarios and situations. It's very difficult to put up boundaries with family, especially like, you know, in our family, we are, I mean, my parents and I, we've all been so close and so in each other's business, like trying to even put a tiny boundary up is extremely difficult. So I can't even imagine, you know, in a situation like that. But I guess the point of me saying is that we do all have to learn how to do that and, and stand up for ourselves if so, if other people aren't. And, and that's hard, though, growing up in a Christian world because that's selfish or that's, you know, like you're saying, not being forgiving or whatever it might be, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a book called, literally called Boundaries yes. that I think every counselor ever uh, suggests everyone to read. And I also suggest yes. everyone reads always. It's so good. Um, because it is, it's, I feel like it's a good, it's the first place I've read something that had clear, um, a clear layout of how to be healthy and have healthy relationships and not have to sacrifice your faith, I guess. Um, and like, cause even in that situation, like by that point, I talked to like my abuser at that point who I had already forgiven and they apologized again and I like finally was like hey I like want you to know this that's I'm I'm okay mm-hmm. and like I have already forgiven you I do forgive you like got to like speak mm. 
that to him, which was great. And like, I'm so glad that we actually got to like have that conversation and I really did feel it. Um, and I, but I was also honest. I was like, but that also doesn't mean that I like fully trust Mm -hmm. you. You haven't earned my trust back and I care about you, but like, I'm, it still makes me fearful when I'm in a room alone with you. So I'm probably not going to ever put myself in that position, yeah. you know, exactly. and, and that's okay. Right. Like, so what would you tell, I guess my a big question, and I know there's more to talk about, but what, okay. So obviously not having as memory when you were younger, but once you came to the awareness of it, you know, if you're speaking to your younger self, or someone else in your situation right now, if they heard this, you know, what would be your suggestion to them for dealing with the situation if they're in something similar to what you're in or in? I think the biggest thing um, for me that helps was space. Okay. Um, just give, give it space. I think that especially in Christian culture, and this is something that was always um, advised to me was to try to figure things out immediately with that person or with whatever. Mm-hmm. And like in that kind of situation, you're, you're going through a lot in your head and you're in some part of the grieving process, right. which is messy. Uh, most of the time at the beginning, it's denial. Right. And so you're able to have conversations that like two months later, you're like, I wouldn't have said that. <laughs> That's you know ridiculous, you know, whatever. Because it's a it's a, a defense mechanism your body puts up to help you get through the first few months after like a traumatic mm-hmm. event, mm-hmm. and it can last a week, it could last months depending on what your body thinks you need. And um, I I think give yourself space and like be. I think the second thing would be be okay if somebody can't be there for you. Like just because they're your best friend may not mean that they're going to be the person that's going to get you through that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, with the the kind of pushback you you know we're dealing with, you know, it's like who who do you go to? Who can you talk to? Obviously, space is a huge deal, you know. But maybe that's when you find I don't know find you know account uh, like a psychologist or I I don't know is that what kind of you would suggest now looking back or. I mean, I definitely think for sure. I mean, I think also everybody should just be in therapy always. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe, I don't know. I think it's just a healthy yes. practice. But um, I think I think definitely that for like actually like growing in that space. But um, also just like somebody that you can talk to that's not going to try to like push you out of things yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and And I, and I don't, think that means that the second somebody pushes back on you or disagrees with you or you don't feel heard by them then completely excommunicate them from your life because that's just gonna make you be isolated and that's actually just way worse but like I know it's a weird balance of like hey have grace for people that they don't know what you're going through and aren't going to handle this Mm. well and that's okay you can talk to them later about it that's and you know but like, don't keep going to them. <laughs> like, just don't yeah. do it. It's going to make it worse, you know? Right. And like, keep, keep going, keep finding people, whether that's somebody older. Mm-hmm. I feel like nowadays it's so much, especially after the whole like me too thing that happened, like 
it's so much easier to find people who understand what you've gone through than it used to be. I feel like any of this would have been super taboo to talk about in the church. It was not encouraged, you know, when I was younger, like that was not the kind of things we talked about in Bible study. Mm. Um, But I feel like now there you'll find somebody if you are looking for it, even if you can't be like their best friend. And I think on top of a counselor, having somebody in your actual life, that you can just like text and be like, Hey, I can't breathe. Cause I would think I'm about to have a panic attack and I have to go, you know, into a client meeting right now. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. And then they send you a bunch of really funny gifts that make you laugh and kind of snap mm-hmm. out of it. And you're like, okay, thank you. Like that's all I need. Okay. I'm going to go, yeah. you know, and so whatever, good. like whatever your thing is. But, um, I think, um, I think I humor know. is actually a, a huge one in, um, when I was, when I was going through all my divorce stuff and, and pretty much having the worst day of my life every day, like back to back, um, I would, you know, I don't know. I think I'd always like dealt with stuff in my life, um, by just kind of always allowing myself to feel sad that something didn't go a certain way or that it was like a heavy, hard thing. And, um, when I was going through my, divorce um i had a good friend in hawaii um he was uh he was my best friend for like um a long time out there uh we still we're still really good friends and keep in touch uh my friend richard and you know like we went to you know we started going to the gym together every day and i don't know his personality um i'm not sure that i ever really really told him this i think that i probably did but mm-hmm. his, like his personality was such that you know, he could just be like sarcastic about anything. And um, I didn't really expect it because I, like I said, I just had the attitude of just kind of, you know, um, carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. And he would be like, you know, oh, having the worst day of your life again, because you're getting divorced or something like that. And like, (laughs) you know, we just, (laughs) we just started like joking about it. And then I just realized like, it's so stupid to hold on to, um, like just insist that you hold on to pain and i'm i'm not trying to minimize what you went through so um i hope it's not coming across like that but absolutely yeah yeah, Yeah, i mean my my experience was if i if i allow myself to just have fun and still just like laugh and cut up it's like Mm -hmm. it's i don't know it it, like i would still have to go through all of that but it was you know, it, it allowed me this kind of release to just like actually enjoy my life in the right. midst of hard mm-hmm. stuff. And that, I mean, that was like a kind of like a revelation to me. And I think I've really done that to this day, which is why I'm like, you know, I'm ultimately like a pretty serious guy. Like I love having serious conversations, yeah. but like I'll say some stupid shit like in the middle of like a tough conversation because I'm like want to make a joke or something and like, like let's not make know, this just, quite so heavy as yeah it is. yeah but, uh, well know. you know there's that bible verse what's it say something like a cheerful heart is good like medicine so there you go boom scripture queen <laughs> it, it does help but right and then it puts you I think in a place where you can either go deal with it a little bit later, like if you're in the middle of like getting ready for a meeting or whatever it is, you know, or <laughs> lighten the mood so you can deal with it, you know, a little bit easier, you know, without going into yeah. more 
depressive or anxious mode, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, definitely, I think you have something on that for sure. You know what else is kind of a weird thing is I always felt like growing up uh, in church that Christians just in general did not know how to have a good time. Like (laughs) they knew how to have a Christian time, (laughs) which was mildly enjoyable, you know? Uh, But or like knockoff versions of the real fun yeah. things. Yeah, exactly. Like you never heard someone be like, hey, are we going to rage at your place this weekend? Like obviously, you know, not that uh, everyone in church is supporting going and truly raging, but, you know, like you can only play Settlers of Catan so many times before you want to jump oh my gosh, so face real. first off a bridge. It, it's just not sustainable. <laughs> No, it is not. <laughs> I don't think Jesus would play Settlers of Catan, to be honest. I'm just going to throw that out there. I know it's a controversial thing to say, but I don't think you'd be into it. I don't disagree with you. <laughs> wow. Mm. That's a major burn on a lot of yeah, uh, I've, homeschoolers I've, and uh, Christians. You're going to lose a lot of followers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> More one stars. Here we go. Oh, I'm the one stars. Bring, bring on the haters. That's okay. There's more fun games. It just means you're number one. Yeah. We do more fun things. <laughs> so we, um, no, before we started, when we, when we were catching up a little bit yesterday, we talked about the Enneagram a little bit. Uh-oh. And uh, I told you Cecilia's pretty into it. I'm kind of into it. Joe was like, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I love this episode. So So we might as well throw a little bit of something about the Enneagram in there. Yeah. Okay. So first off, tell us your number. I'm a two and I have a one wing. Are y'all into subtypes at all? Do you know anything about that? I want to know more about it because yeah, I had a friend. I'm about to send you into it. Okay, good. Yeah, let's go. You're going to be so excited because seven moves to five and help, Mm -hmm. right? So you probably are the person that like when you get really interested in something, you actually like do a really deep dive and want to do all the research and learn yes, all the I things. Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. So, so after this, definitely go look up subtypes because there's three subtypes for each number, which means there's that many more variations of who you can be basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one-to-one. So it's like kind of more interpersonal. It's social um huh. and it's more like looking at it uh group dynamics constantly oh, Joe, just and me. then self-preservation <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> what it means is like i'm gonna be like okay let's talk about it. like every person i'm gonna be like let's do it you know i love all the in-depth stuff when it comes yeah, to yeah. personality or thing yeah it yeah and it's so i learned i'm a uh i'm a two with a one wing and a one-to-one subtype hmm you know, really confusing. Very interesting. It's been such a good like thing for me. We were talking about this yesterday, like, um, especially through all this kind of like my journey and healing and my journey and like Mm -hmm. just figuring out who I am and, you know, what I stand for and where I'm at, like being able to see, I don't know, like Myers-Briggs is like, oh, here's like personality Mm -hmm. traits that you probably Mm -hmm. have. And then Enneagram's like, this is your deep, dark secret and desires and fears. And then like, this is what you're going to act when, or this is the way you're going to act when you are in a terrible place. And this is the way you're going to act when you're in a great place. So as a two, when I start like screaming at my friend in the middle of the street for no reason, like 
probably not in a good place. Yeah. And then like the next day I'm like, Hmm, I, I need some self-reflection mm-hmm. time. <laughs> you know? Oh man, that's so good. It's my sister and I've kind of been, I mean, I've known about it a few years. We really started diving into it maybe a year ago or so, but it's so, so I'm a seven with an eight wing and I don't Ooh. know like all the, you know, extra things yet I'm learning. So uh-huh. yeah, you want to talk about an intense person. So, but, and then when you <laughs> battle the trauma and everything, right. Um, but what's mm-hmm. amazing, what's so crazy is one of the biggest things like revelations that, you know, well, I guess when you have trauma or when you're like become adults and you're like dealing with things, you're like, where is this coming from? Right. And so that's what I love about the Enneagram. Cause you start like just these little tiny things you're like digging and then it gets deeper and deeper. And it's like, Oh my gosh, you know? And so about, it might've been three or four months ago. Uh, my sister and I ended up sitting in the car for almost two hours outside my parents' house one night, just talking. And I kept going. So with the sevens, if I remember, right, I don't remember the exact wording, they're like childhood wound or like the, the, whatever, you know, that is the term is it has to do with either a lack of, or like nurturing being removed too soon or something along that effect. Anyhow, and my sister's a four, which fours and sevens are very similar when they're young, you know, but, um, then they totally turn That's kind of surprising. Different promise. That fours and sevens are similar when they're young. So apparently just from what I've studied is that they, as children, it's hard to tell them apart and then they they branch out depending where the seven is out, goes out and this, the four turns in, which is exactly what my sister did. So we had a baby brother that passed away, which I might've mentioned. Uh, I was three and a half and she was like 18 months old, maybe a little younger. <clears throat> and I always, every time I would read that about like the childhood, when I'm like, my mother was, oh, my mom's a two. And I was like, she was mm-hmm. over the top nurturing. She's like, oh, you know, always like, like extremely helpful, like, you know, making sure everybody's okay. Yeah, she is. That's true. (laughs) But I named my uh, first guitar that I bought when we were in a band together after, after Cecilia's mom. I forgot about that. (laughs) Joni. That's That's amazing. Shout out to Joni. But yes, but what we realized is as we were, as we began, you know, we had been kind of studying all of it, but as we again that night kind of delving into this because I asked my sister I was like well I guess she had brought up hers and I I can't remember the life of me exactly what a four you know that is for a four but she goes something broke when my when our brother died you know she goes something broke in our family and so it all but it all added up right so like for me I was three and a half it's a great like at that age between three and a half four you can like put a kid in front of a computer or tv or you know you can you don't have to but I was in a quote self-sufficient place at that age my mom had to tent my mom's grieving and mourning the loss of her son my sister's a baby she has to pay attention to her but mm-hmm. she's gonna just give her what she has to you know, to keep her alive and keep, and then for me, I, you know, that nurturing was removed. And so here I am having to be self-sufficient. So that, and then all of a sudden I'm like, well, damn, because now I know like as an adult, I'm like, oh, okay, well, I wanted to invite you to be a part of it. Or I, I you know, ask, for, but I'm like, 
don't worry, got it. And I, and I've had that. And that's not necessarily a good attitude to have where you're completely like self-reliant because it becomes a very lonely place to be, which is kind of funny for Mm -hmm. right. Like a seven, because they're outgoing and all of this stuff. But anyhow, point of saying all that, I want to go deeper because you begin, I guess the biggest thing I've gotten out of it is I haven't liked myself for probably about a year. I say like, you know, like I just kind of have been kind of despised myself, which is very strange in my personality. And because of the eight, there's like this extreme, like forceful, like in your face as well, that can be kind of mean, but it began to like help me understand myself and not feel like such a freak or such a weirdo, you know? Mm -hmm. So anyhow, didn't mean to go on that, but just wanted to say like, it's so exciting to me um, to, to be getting, you know, delving deeper into that. So, so what do you feel like with yourself that you found, um, what was it something similar to that of like beginning to understand yourself better or what, what's the biggest takeaway you've had from discovering the Enneagram slash what is it? Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Please. For those, for our guests that don't know, yes. Explain (laughs) what a two on the Enneagram is. A two on the Enneagram is the helper. That's the thing it's called. Um, I like, there's a girl who writes a lot about Enneagram and studies that that calls them the the friender. I like that. Oh, I love that. Um, Right. It's so perfect. (laughs) I'm also, I know I'm also an ENFJ. So I'm, I'm naturally just like a very like make new friends everywhere I go kind of person. Um, And so it's, it's fun to see those two things interact. But um the childhood wound, I think for me is, or like the fear, I guess, for twos is um, not being loved, mm-hmm. basically. And so mm-hmm. for it's it's really interesting as I looked back through my story and knowing that about myself and knowing that's been true about me my whole life and that that's like what I'm always like seeking for, you know, like um, whether it's in friendships or relationships or whatever, mm-hmm. um, like being able to see like that manifest in my childhood and like like because I mean kind of similar to you like my mom just like I was a third of three Mm -hmm. obviously um and like you know she at that point was pretty much the breadwinner for the family and she was a elementary school Mm -hmm. teacher uh my dad was doing production work uh doing like music production and was trying to kind of start his own business in that way and like wasn't making tons of money in College Station, Texas with music. <laughs> I'm sure y'all are. Yes. Um, surprise, surprise. <laughs> weird, right? Um, and he didn't actually get like a, I think a, a normal job, I don't know, whatever normal means, um, until I was in like fifth or sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And at that point, my both my siblings, I think, were already, or my brother was gone to college already. And my okay. sister was like, almost gone um so most of my childhood we were like flat broke my mom was super stressed because she was a basically a stay-at-home mom that also worked full-time um with three kids and you know my I mean my dad was there Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say he was absent but when I actually think back on like most of my childhood it's like my mom being in Mm -hmm. our house um and as somebody who's like I want attention I want love And like, my mom's just like, I just need to get dinner on the table and make sure you don't starve. And then when we're done, I'm going to fall asleep on the couch until you're all in bed. And like, 
like my mom has a story about how like when I was younger once I got to like my own like uh, toddler bed that you know didn't have rails or anything that uh it would get to the point where like I would just disappear in the middle of the like evening and they're like where's Christina like what is she doing like whatever and I would have just like gone and tucked myself in the bed because that was just like I even asked them I was like did y'all ever like read any books at night like I don't have any recollection of that and my mom was like, well, we did when you were really little, but then at a certain point, you just kind of like did your own mm-hmm. thing and you would just kind of, and I, I, to me, I'm like, man, like, I think there was a certain point that I was like, well, I know I do this. So like, y'all are busy. I'll just, I'll take care of myself. It's okay. I don't want to like bother you. I don't yeah. want to burden you because twos are also known for like being very, if they're in a good space like altruistically like giving yeah. of themselves or anything right. um and like not asking for help ever mm-hmm. and so it's like when you can sense and almost like read the temperature of the room around you and you realize that you needing anything is a burden you're like okay then I'll just like I won't be a burden anymore then I'll just I'll tuck myself in it's okay like maybe you'll love me more if I'm not a burden to you and like, you know, as a child, you, there's no way you can right. process all that. But like, I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, my like poor little like yeah. childhood, oh like God. heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and definitely like it, you know, that I can see in some of the worst times of my life, how that drove me to certain relationships, um, staying in re- relationships too long, mm-hmm. um, even just like ending up in like precarious situations just to like have approval of people things like that um on the other hand I can also see a lot of the good in it and throughout my life like you know a lot of ways I've like been able to just like kind of have a sixth sense for people and be able to help them and um I think I I at first when I read it I always tended towards seeing all the negative qualities of um but I'm trying to like sit in the like no but like Mm -hmm. I can also be like a really wonderful person when I and healthy <laughs> I remember my mom she she like she like I don't she took the test a couple times two or three times because she's like I don't know if I'm a two I don't know it was almost like she was like uh, but I think it was that same thing of like it was that more of I think she was seeing the negatives instead of the positives of what it you know what it is to be a two and uh and whenever it, I mean any number is in like a healthy space obviously um but I would say I mean, twos are some of the most, um, what's the right word? I don't want to say charming because sometimes charming has a bad connotation, but they're just like, they make you feel good. They make you feel like, like if you walk into a party and you feel alone, like a two would, you would, if there's a two there, like you're not going to feel alone because they're going to make sure you're either here, have a cookie or a drink of whatever, you know, (laughs) like just like, I don't know, always make you feel better. So I think that, um, I mean, they're great people, you know, person, people's people, persons. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. Cause, um, I'm, I, I don't know how I'm going to be able to say this without sounding really, really weird, but, uh, like the time you got it, <laughs> the times that I've, we believe in you. <laughs> the times that I've like been around your mom, I did have that kind of feeling where like, there was just kind of a vibe about her. Mm. She would like touch my arm or something. And I just kind of felt this like, uh, like, I can't, I can't, like, 
I told you it wasn't going to go well. No, no, no. But but if you watch any of the videos, you know, the funny like videos about the different numbers, like twos are like that. They'll like put an arm around you or like, it's okay. Yeah. I was like, finally, I can let go of my worries and take a nap. (laughs) She's like, it's okay. (laughs) I love it. No, it's true. No, it's true though. It's exactly 100%. And, and, you know, you get those skeptics kind of like my dad, but and it's like they want to be like, oh, I don't want to take this, or I don't, I don't want to be labeled by a number, or I'm like, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. This is gonna. You're not gonna you. put me in your number box, <laughs> yeah. little that, girl. That was all. Those people are just fours. Let's yeah. Be <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, that's the best response to someone that just chooses to omit participating right. <laughs> in the enneagram. Like, like you're, you're just. Yeah. Like, well so this good. just proves that you're a four <laughs> so good but it's like if you can if you can get people to grasp it then it's like you un you realize like oh this can help me it helps me and it can help the people around me too you know and you have so much understanding and uh, I think it was last maybe last Christmas or around the holidays we just kind of got my family to do it and and no things aren't perfect but boy, does it give you an understanding? Like for my dad, he's a one. And I was like, oh, it all makes sense. I'm like, okay, he doesn't hate me or anybody else. Like he's just a perfectionist and he's very moral and like all these different things, you know? And it's like, but it's so much better because it gives you understanding. And then you don't feel like angry at them when they do something a certain way, you know? So I think it's great. Absolutely. Yeah. It gives you like space to be able to see the humanity in others and like recognize that there's like you know motivations behind it that maybe aren't what you assume just because they don't think or react or have the same like things they're coming from that's so good I mean it's just like when you share stories Mm -hmm. right it's like the more you get to know somebody's story you're like oh shit Mm -hmm. like you've been through it like now I get why sometimes you just like fall off the face (laughs) of the earth because you can't handle people cool 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 (laughs) you know but like same I I feel the same way it's like I feel like it's become this tool of like for me being able to just like um understand people better and like meet them where they're at and not take things so personally and Mm -hmm as a two help them better. So I'm like, Oh, I know what they're looking for. So now I can meet them. I love that. That's <laughs> awesome. That's so awesome. I honestly think company, well, I've told this to him. I think companies should use it. You know, there's a few companies that'll do personalized oh, stuff. Yeah. I'm like this, this is good, you know, because it would help you put the people that like where they need to be and help eat, help all of you interact better. And like you said, meet each other where you are. And yeah. that somebody like mm-hmm. him, <laughs> and eight, isn't going to just be like, you, you're like, oh my God, he's so mean or da, da, da. And it's like, no, he's not. He's just telling you the truth. And he's trying to like, just be factual, but he really probably likes you, but you know, you just were being a douche and needed to be told <laughs> what was right. So he really likes you. He yeah. Just... Joe, tell us more about your journey on Enneagram. <laughs> yes. Well, um, I, I think when I first, um, when I, so I told you before, like when I first took it, uh, I thought I was a four (laughs) and, um, it was mainly just because like, um, my artistic side. So I just kind of naturally assumed that I was a four cause I'm artsy and like care about aesthetics and visual (laughs) stuff. Uh, and also like, I, I think that I'm pretty in touch with my emotions, um, more so than most of the male species. This is Um, true. So yeah, I just thought I was a four. And then 
Um, honestly, I don't really know how I found out that I was an eight. I think people just started going like, I don't think you're a four. I think you're more like an eight. And then I, um, I started reading about it and I had that, I had that kind of feeling like when I was reading it, I was almost like wanting to like look over my shoulder, like make sure no one was like seeing me or something. Cause I, I felt like very kind of exposed. It was, it was a weird mm-hmm. feeling. Uh, but I think that I want, I, so when I thought that I was a four, I just ignored everything else. Basically, I was like, I'm the most, you know, obviously I'm the most important thing for, to me. <laughs> just kidding. But you're the special star. <laughs> yeah, but I, I wasn't really like exploring the other types. I mean, I heard like cursory kind of overviews of them, but I was just like, I'm a four. That's it. <laughs> but uh, when I, when I read about the eight, I was like, oh, damn, that's definitely, mm-hmm. definitely me. But it, it, it did like mean a lot to me because, um, my, I guess my, I don't know. I I want to do big things in life. Like I'm driven, I'm entrepreneurial. Um, I can get pretty hardcore about stuff. And so I think when I thought that I was a four, I was like pretty disappointed. Cause I was like, Oh no, like, <laughs> I like, you don't really see a lot of like four entrepreneurs <laughs> and stuff. Like I'm going to be the guy who thinks that I can like do something. And at the end of the day, I just end up crying in a corner (laughs) and uh, leave the party early and (laughs) start wearing only black and like all that kind of stuff. And I was just like, Oh, there goes my life. I ended up being a four. (laughs) I think it was just because I, you know, I had these in like dreams of who I wanted to be. And when I looked at a four, I was like, uh, not, not that fours are bad, obviously, but I just, you know, right. I just wasn't really into it for myself. Well, yeah, I think it's <laughs> so I don't know. I'm it's still it's definitely still a, a journey because you know, like my I think that it probably emboldened me more in my communication style. <laughs> where now he's just like, You're an asshole. You're- <laughs> that was not the right way. Well, I'm um, not speaking from experience. yeah I just um I don't know I think I just kind of like owned it more but Mm -hmm. it's also like part of my like really my life journey like I growing up in in kind of a trauma environment I was like realizing I was really just like shrinking my whole life like my dad and I Mm -hmm. had these encounters and sometimes we would butt heads but you know um my dad's like a pretty he's got a very big personality so um he uh in most scenarios that i can ever recall him being in he was always the largest presence in the room oh yeah life of the party yeah and so like when you're a younger kid you just kind of react to that and i wasn't naturally just this like super exuberant kid and so i was just i don't know most of my life i was kind of I think retreating. And when I started to, when I started to discover that wasn't really serving me well, like it, I think that's when my true self came out. And then I just started getting like mad about a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I had to really process through a lot of that anger because I just had this feeling that I'd just been like wasting a lot of my life and letting people push me around and like being passive in general. And um, now I feel like I have an opinion about everything, so I need mm-hmm. to work on that. But, um, anyways, pretty just, great just to be the, in a just the del- <laughs> just the delivery, the delivery of your opinion. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, but what's funny. I need to come up with some good disclaimers. I think maybe that would be a way to deal with it. Oh, yeah. That's now true. I know what I'm about to say is going to maybe eviscerate you. So. I, I don't it's coming from a good place. <laughs> I promise I, I don't. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I actually do that, by the way. Do what? I don't. I don't think that I'm like really say things meanly. Do you think that I do? We might have to have that, a moment here. Just a second. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think I don't think it's it's not meanly. Oh gosh. It's it's no, but I I can say this because I have that eight wing. It's very strong. I'm almost like it's almost like neck and neck with the seven and the eight. So, mm -hmm. but it's that you nine times out of ten, you know you're right. You know what you're saying is probably on, and so you can't handle stupidity. So I don't think it comes across mean. It comes across like. As we say in Texas, bless your heart, you stupid, <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's more like, and it's not like, no, I mean, I don't think it's like, not that you couldn't be, but I think, I don't think it's like hateful or anything. And actually like, I would say when, I mean, we've had a lot of discussions and, and they've gone pretty well, you know? Yeah. I don't, you've like tried to be like, you haven't said it quite like your disclaimer thing, but you know, more like, okay, I'm not <laughs> trying to like be be ugly or something like that you know so right it's definitely helped but i i think the thing that i hadn't i didn't realize or i had forgotten that you said that about like thinking you were four and well i remember like when we were in the band early when you were still really young you were so laid back and eights aren't you know usually that laid back but is your wing like are you a nine wing or do you know i'm not a nine wing i don't know you're what a, i don't know well, what you're my gonna wing be a seven is, or a nine you have to be right, isn't it? I think it's seven yeah. or nine wing. Oh shit! It's probably seven then. <laughs> oh, and seven. an eight with a seven wing is one of the most intense personalities you can have. I feel like you probably are. A nine I think wing. he's a nine. I, mean, I have. I, no, I don't know I, you that well, so I'm just like. I personally think that death, he's a but. nine wing because <laughs> you don't get like amped up by people. Like when you know what I'm saying. Like I mean, I just think about being in the band. You were so easygoing. In at times, and so I, I could be wrong, but that's what I would guess too. Nines are the peacemakers, mm -hmm. Joe. So, like, it'd be like if you balance that with an eight, it could be like being able to say really hard things in a way that like is palatable, basically. Yeah, that's, that's him. interesting. That's you. Okay, I'm pretty. I guess sure. I'll take that. Well, <laughs> you could be a seven because you do. You are a little like fun. Like you're fun, and you're like, what's the word? You are a little. <laughs> You are mildly, a little mildly enjoyable to be around. <laughs> you and there's there's always going to be like things from both sides that you'll like pull right. at different times. Like I sometimes do have like three tendencies, um, and like want to be like the achiever and on mm -hmm. and on and whatever. But I definitely more consistently exhibit types of the one, one behavior. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so what's your like? Who do you um? follow or what books have you read or what what's your suggestion for people to go if they want to if they're interested in finding out their type and like going more in depth mm. and for me to go more in depth on the, all the subtypes and all that okay best podcast i listen to is called typology i love typology um, that's the one i just sent you okay i, just I love it <laughs> oh my god well, it, yeah it was a seven and an eight one and i was like oh my god i it's all yeah. i get it all okay. that's the uh ian cron is that I his name it. 
Yeah, Ian oh, Cron. Sorry, um, didn't mean to freak out. That one, I love. I think I learned so much from that. My boss's wife actually was the one who showed that to me because she was starting to like get really into it. And she was like, honestly, just go through the entire thing and listen to any of them that have twos. Yep. Just, just, I feel like you'll understand yourself better. And then I did the same thing with like my close mm-hmm. friends. And I was like, one of yep. my best rooms is a nine. So I was like, now I'm going to go through and listen to all the things about nines. Because as a two, I'm like, I want to mm-hmm. figure everyone out. Um, and it, I don't know. It's just really, okay. it was really fascinating. And he has so many like interesting people on there. And um, I just feel like you get a, a broader spectrum of like what your personality type could look like. Yeah. And some people will bring up things that you're like, Oh my gosh, how did you just like read my diary type of a thing? And then other things that you're like, we are very different people, but like I can see the same motivations mm-hmm. in us, you know, that one's great. Um, I think a lot of, there's a podcast called the place we find ourselves. It's more like bent towards like um, counseling esque in general, but definitely references in your gram here and there um and like in that kind of thing um but like the Enneagram Institute just like the main website that you can take the like paid thing it has like a ton of information on it so good um and that's where I think I like learned most of my stuff just because I was like okay if that's the place that studies it they probably (laughs) don't that's awesome yeah you know it's it really has well I listen to I would say the typology the most I, there's a few there's another one called the Enneagram journey I like to listen to she has a lot of interesting people on but it it's really helped me like me and my mom are like for the past 10 well really you know what just since I was born we've just been like this and I'm just like why why are we like this and then I started listening to ones about twos just like you're talking about like with the night and I was like yeah oh, okay you know I get but yeah. it's funny because like in one of the podcasts I listened to, the the host is a two and then the um, son who does the producing part, he's a seven. And he's like, I could never be married to a two. His mom's a two. He's like, they get along because they understand each other. But he's like, I couldn't be married to mm-hmm. a two. Um, but it's it's so awesome because you like realize, and I'm not saying I haven't mastered it, mom, when she listens to this, because I'm sure she will. Um, be like, but it, at least like I'm thinking in my mind like why something might be said or how it's said because I think and too it could just be stuff I've been through. I I always want to assume I know why somebody's saying something, but that's the biggest thing mm-hmm. I think with Enneagram. It's like realizing you can't assume if you, but if you know these personality types, you know you're like, oh well, that's just that they're not really being like sneaky or devious or they're not trying to like you know, come at you a certain way. That's just part of who they are, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Also, um, Instagram is a wealth of information for Enneagram stuff. There's a lot of people that I follow that post a lot of things. Also, going back to the humor thing, there's one uh, profile called Rude Ass Enneagram. And it's just all these memes and like what each person would do in that situation. I can't wait. And, <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, uh, <laughs> there's just, there's like one day I just, it was in that state where I was like, I'm just sad and bleh. And I was like, I just want to laugh at something. I'm so over feeling like this today. And I went to that page because I saw it like on my feed and I literally, I did a deep dive, guys. Like, I went, like, real far back. And I just read every single one. And I was, like, cry laughing. And it was just so awesome. good for my soul. <laughs> like, what was, was that one called so again? Especially, like, the more you learn. It's called Rude Ass Enneagram. Awesome. Love it. 
Yeah. I go to uh, kook <laughs> slams for my respite and humor. It's uh, it's it's a surf culture thing. I'm like, I've never been there. A kook, I know. A yeah. kook <laughs> is someone who's like trying to learn how to surf, but they're making a fool of themselves. And so, <laughs> this uh, this Instagram page is called Kook Slams, and it's basically like tourists surfing and just like face diving into the sand and stuff, and it's so glorious. Was that you when you learned to surf? Oh, of course not. Did, did you? Oh, of course. <laughs> Mastered everything. I'm sure he did. Oh, Lord. <laughs> here we go all right um i'm kind of curious about um and uh, well, i promise we'll I be wrapping it up pretty soon i know it's getting late for you there <laughs> in new york but um i'm curious where you kind of started out politically in your life <laughs> and uh -huh. going to nashville and then to florida which you probably should have skipped and then to <laughs> new york um <laughs> Where, like, if you could share a little if bit you're about, comfortable. yeah, where, what's, what's the oh, political yeah. situation? <laughs> um, so my family was all very like conservative Republican growing up. So, you know, I was like that growing up too. And a lot of that made sense. And it was just very much like, well, that's the logical mm -hmm. thing because that's all I was kind of told. And, um, I think now I, I wouldn't say I'm like crazy, hardcore, liberal, leftist, whatever, by any means, but I definitely lean that way a lot more than I used to just because I, I think when, I think the thing that's hard for me that I see in our country is that our country really is like a lot of different country cultures all in right. one. And so it's, it's hard to even say like that that's even like the best choice or that the Republican party is the best choice or whatever, because for New York, I think it's in like the Northeast, it's very different culture yeah. to the South. And like, there's laws and rules there that I'm very comfortable with that I would not be comfortable with here. Like gun laws, for example, I grew up around mm -hmm. guns. I was taught gun culture and safety and, you know, all those things. I don't want my neighbors to have guns here yeah. because as angry as, as much as I'm pretty even keeled, as angry as I've gotten at random people in the subway, I am really thankful that it is a lot harder for us mm -hmm. to get guns. Um, you know, so there's just things like that, that I'm like, I can't say that I would have like a hard stance on a lot of things um, because it's, I'm starting to see how different our whole country is. And I feel like that's really difficult to make one big thing. Um, I am a registered Democrat, but I have not told my parents that. So I hope they never listen to it. Um, it literally, I think, would break their hearts. And the reason I chose to do that was because my state is always going to be Democratic. And whatever you're registered in is what you can vote for the primary. And so I was like, if my state's always going to be Democratic anyway, then I might as well have a say in who's Democratic. Right, like, like which person by. is you know, people that are chosen, right. of and course. So, yeah, because then you can vote for whoever you want in, like, the main election. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, would say I probably would still vote that way in general. But, like, I also, it's not like I'm, like, 
think that those are all mm. the best candidates and solutions. Well, I think <laughs> I think you bring up a, a good point, though, and that people wouldn't even think about because I, I could hear, you know, see people, especially down in the South, like, oh, my God, you know, I, you know, just having this like so right attitude about things. And it's like, look, she's making a valid point. Right. It's like if these are the choices that it's going to be, I want to be able to vote for at least the one that I lean towards the most, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it makes sense to me. So, but people don't think about stuff like that. Oh, no. And it's hard because it's especially in my family or in the South. um, The second you say you lean more liberal or you are registered Mm -hmm. as a Democrat or any of those of things, it's like, oh, so you, you know, hate babies mm-hmm. and think that we, literally I had my mother and I, I think it was a joke, but I'm not sure. And I kind of chastised her for it a little bit after she made the comment. Um, I said something about like against president Trump, cause I was frustrated about right. something that happened. And, um, and sh- I was like, mom, you know, I'm like registered as a Democrat. Right. And she goes, Oh God! So you're gonna break your father and I's heart. Do you just want the whole country to be socialist? And I was like, Whoa! <laughs> when did I? How do we ever married? Right. And I was like, I'm sorry. Do you know me? Like, and what? Like, uh That's hilarious. So I feel like it is. It's hard. It's yeah. like you can be talking to your own mother who knows you mm-hmm. very well, and it's like all logic goes out the window. Yeah. It's like, Oh, you just said this, and so now you are label mm-hmm. with all of these things and it's like can we not be a little bit more nuanced mm-hmm. like maybe that's maybe there's a lot more to it maybe I have different beliefs um for different reasons right. maybe my beliefs aren't different mm-hmm. but like you have to pick a person right. like I don't know right. like it just depends so I would but I would say I definitely lean on a little more on the liberal side Somewhere in the middle, but yeah. more on the liberal side, I would say. Do you think that so. you, um, I've always been kind of curious about this. Like I went to, I mean, I was in Hawaii for seven years and I really basically just did not give a crap about politics until like literally like three or four years ago. I I just, I don't know, with everything that was always going on in my life, like I, I just was not concerned about it. Because um, I, I mean, I didn't personally feel like I could have that much of an impact, I guess, which is not probably the best attitude to have about it. But um, I started, you know, looking into it more and uh, I feel a lot more, you know, interested in it for sure. But I was, I was kind of just always curious about people that grew up a certain way. And then they go, you know, for example, us, like, you know, we grew up in College Station Mm. or in Texas and, you know, everyone's very, mostly very conservative here. And if you had gone to another conservative city and just stayed there for a long time, like, would you have stayed conservative or Mm. is it, is there like really like a big influence of being, you know, somewhere like New York, which is, I don't know, I don't know if what would be considered more liberal New York or like LA, they're probably like the same, I guess, but um, because Hawaii is, (laughs) Hawaii is super liberal there are actually a, a bunch of conservative uh, conservatives out there, but I, um, I don't know. I don't feel like I was really influenced by that. And I always just kind of like piped down about my political beliefs. <laughs> like I, I remember um, 
remember going out to some company lunches and they started talking about, you know, like gun laws and stuff. And I kind of got, I started talking about it a little bit. And then I was like, my boss was, uh, I mean, he was like the type of guy who would just like pretty much be walking through our office and like mumbling under his breath, uh, under his breath about Trump and like just <laughs> saying all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, we'd go out to lunch and it like, it would honestly get kind of heated. Mm. And I started to like share some of my views on it. And then after that, like one time that I did it, I was like, I am not doing that ever again. Uh, the workplace is not a place where I share my political views. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I feel you. I think, I don't think I really thought any different about my political views until I was in a different environment. Space. Um, <laughs> yeah, because like Nashville, I don't think I changed my views at all. Orlando, <sighs> I didn't really know anybody who wasn't conservative. Right. Like um, it here, I would say that's, that's a subject that just comes up a right. lot. Yeah. People talk about politics a lot. So like you can't really... I mean, I remember that, that feeling my first year in my agency, we had this long table, we would eat lunch at, and, um, you know, they would start talking about things and I was just like listening because mm. I was like, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly where all of you stand. I'm just going to wait and yeah. listen and figure you out. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think as I started listening to their discussions because they would get into like pretty in-depth discussions, even like not as arguments because they all pretty much agreed. Mm-hmm. I, it was when I first started hearing things that like I wasn't hearing from like the other side mm-hmm. that I grew up in. And that was, I think the first, the beginning of when I finally realized that maybe like nobody's fully telling the truth yeah. and maybe there's a lot happening on both sides that like we just don't understand. Right. And um. I think that's where I kind of started getting more curious about it and was like, maybe I should actually start like paying a little more attention. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say I'm like a very hard, have very hard views on certain, like on a lot of things. It's, you know, I can, I've met enough people that like there's good reasons to take one side or the other and I get it and I'm like okay like I can understand why you would make that choice for yourself as long as you made a choice I think that's my biggest thing yeah um if you're just doing it because that's what you were told or you grew up in it and you never actually considered anything else then like I don't have a lot of respect for that that's good true yeah well I like it yeah all right so since we're uh, wrapping up I I want you to tell us your favorite new york like crazy street story that you have (laughs) (laughs) wait what are you talking about when i told you whatever one you want to share just in in the spirit of kind of using humor to navigate life at times what's uh what's in on a (laughs) a funny note yeah um i'll tell the one i told you because i still think it's pretty epic and crazy and it made me laugh really hard um so halloween's a big deal Mm. here and um i love halloween i'm like that that weirdo um and my favorite new thing now Mm. that i live here is to go literally just ride the subways the week or weekend of halloween because everyone's dressed up and most of the people are like completely smashed and it's really really funny um and i just love people watching during this time of year uh 
And the best part about it is it's like the full gamut of like somebody's like, you know, taped something to their shirt to like full costume, like FX type of stuff, you know? Um, and there was one year that this guy got on the subway and he was in like this full on like blue and black colored demon costume <laughs> with like full face prosthetic, oh like, like the whole, like literally like it looks like a movie set kind of like type of situation, like clearly like a makeup yeah. artist, like professionally and doing the whole act, like terrifying. I was I don't know why, but maybe it's just because I don't know what to do in uncomfortable situations. I just started laughing because I was like, this is hilarious. And I like fully respect you for like going all in on this. Um, But he like walks in and starts just like looking people in the face or like sneaking up behind like two girls who are talking and like waiting for like one of the girls to like notice he's like behind her shoulder and like flip out. And I'm just like dying, but I'm trying not to draw attention to myself because I also really don't want him to come up to me um but there's like when you're underground in the subway sometimes there's train tracks that uh go next to each other and you'll kind of like be next to another train at the same time so you can kind of see into the windows of the other trains and I think my favorite thing was just like realize like he we got to that point where we were kind of going next to another train for a little bit and he gets in the doorway of the window and just stares at the people <laughs> in the other chain. and I'm like behind him so he's not paying attention to me so I was like out of the, like the stare zone um but I got to watch as everybody on the other train like started reacting to it and like either flipped out or like laughed or whatever <laughs> and I was just it was just that moment where you're like this is only gonna happen here That's awesome. and like you kind of scare me because you might legit be like psychotic. Yeah. Like I really don't want you in my face because you might rip my face yeah. off. I don't know what drugs you're yeah. on. I don't yeah. know what kind of person you are. Is this a real demon? Question mark. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I love it. But also you're making me laugh and I don't know if it's because I'm uncomfortable or if it's actually funny. <laughs> it's a lot of things. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. I kind of like to think that maybe it was just like an HR guy who like that's his one night to let loose and his his name is probably oh Steve my gosh, yeah. he and he just went all out <laughs> like, that it. would make for a really good like movie actually right. definitely like. would and then it takes a turn for the worst and <laughs> yeah that, that, that. And the murders start <laughs> yeah Steve just yeah. Like that. oh man that's pretty funny <laughs> all right well thanks so much for coming on uh where can yeah. You even want to drop some, you know, IG stuff, your handles. Where our you... listeners can Sure. Yeah, where, where can people yeah, find I your mean, stuff? I mean, I post very rarely. I watch very frequently. But um, on Instagram, uh, I'm BA Cooper 3 is my handle. Right. So. Awesome. Social security, yeah. is that too far? <laughs> yeah, so my social security number is... No. <laughs> Um, so wait, I have, yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm gonna go. I have one last question. So, go like, 
going on the church thing. So do you, do you now go still go to a church regularly or do you more like do stuff at home or do you, Oh yeah. Good question. You know, but kind of like, up. yeah. Follow up on the whole thing. Like what, yeah, what is your... just kidding. We're still going. <laughs> we will close up. I promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that we need to kind of like, yeah, yeah. Finish that whole thought That's of true. where you are with that now and kind of how you um, interact if you do with other believers or church or whatever yeah no that's a great question I I had kind of some ups and downs you know obviously like I said with uh my church I went to for like seven years and um I kind of left at one point and then I came back after like that whole thing I was saying where I kind of had to step down from leadership and stuff and then came back eventually whatever we were fine um and I actually just switched churches because I moved from Queens into Manhattan and it was it was actually just a, because I'm very like, I want to be able to be in the neighborhood that I go to church okay. in. Um, but I will say like, like the last year or so, I just like, I've taken a huge step back from just like friendships mm. and just like relationships in general and just kind of really examine yeah. like who is helpful in my life right now, right. who I can handle, um, like what capacity I have. Um, as a two, especially recognizing that like my go-to for approval is to just like make everybody happy and serve people. And when I'm in a bad place, it's out of a space of getting people to love me and like, um, notice me and give me affirmation. And so removing myself from positions where I can do that has been really healthy. Um, so that I can like, just not use those coping mechanisms, you know? Um, not to say I never do, but like, no, you know, that's good though. Helpful not to be on the hospitality team at church while you're going through trauma, right. you know. <laughs> Probably a good um, idea. <laughs> you know, um, but it, yeah, I definitely, it, I definitely had like a long period of just like, I don't know what I think about all this, and like, I do believe in in God. I do believe my faith, but like how I'm going to practice that. I'm not certain like what is right or not right. And I also recognize I will never actually fully like, it's kind of prideful for me to think that I'll figure it out. It's like all the theologians that have studied their whole lives have never figured it out, you know? And so like, I recognize that, but like recognizing that I at least want to know I'm making certain choices for the way I practice my faith um, with like as much integrity as I can. Um, which also means like, if I'm not feeling it, like sometimes I think I need to push myself and sometimes I'm like, maybe I just need to stay home today. Um, and you know, yeah. And like, I, I don't know, there's obviously like a balance with that. Like you can, I can go wrong and right. (laughs) But, um, over the COVID era, obviously churches all went online and it was, I, I kind of thought I was going to be moving to Manhattan and I'd been watching my friend's church uh, for a while. And so when I transitioned to Manhattan, I kind of was like, okay, I think it's time for this move and just felt kind of like a natural, like, I think I need to like kind of start fresh again in, in that way. Um, not to say my church is bad. Right, of course. great. Um, but just, it's just the time I was like, okay, it feels right. Uh, and actually there's this group that I started meeting with guys. I'm like making friends for the first time as an adult. It's weird. <laughs> it's always the best. <laughs> it's like, it's like really like 
you get really self-conscious like it's the first date or something you're like do they like me I don't know oh my gosh did I say something and I'm like this is just friendship I don't understand why it's so difficult but um I met this group through my best friend who uh it's like a small group of people who meet up in Central Park and we watch our church on like a laptop awesome. with like you know a Bluetooth speaker nice. And then just like hang out. Somebody brings wine and crackers. We do communion at the end together. Like that's cool. Dude. But I think the thing I love awesome. most about it. Oh, it's great. <laughs> it's and they're like the most caring, wonderful humans I've ever met. But it's been funny to watch how like even from the get go of like how wonderful and caring they felt, like I can feel myself being like, Cool, hey, thanks. Arm out. Mm-hmm. Like oh. <laughs> I'm like still really slow to like try to get to know them and like it's it's been funny to watch myself react in those situations because my normal self would have been like completely like all in immediately and I'm like okay like I'm trying not to like thankfully my best friend is like you're not allowed to join any teams you're not allowed to lead anything not because you're not qualified but because like I just we you don't need that so I'm gonna say no to you anytime you try mm-hmm. I was like thanks it's awesome. a good friend um so yeah, I, I'm still in a church and I really love my church mm-hmm. and I think I have friends. That group sounds awesome. I'm like, I want one of those. They're great. <laughs> We're all going to a cabin upstate. Oh, I'm so jealous. Um, I was like, they invited me on their vacation. I think I'm in. <laughs> That's very, we are very happy for you. We're gonna send. Yeah, okay. I know. Yeah, you don't. So, but it is, it's weird you don't strike me as the type of person that would uh struggle making friends at all <laughs> no i don't yeah. but <laughs> okay, so um, just... i don't but i i think i realize that sometimes i jump in so quick and i'm i'm not necessarily ready to give as much as i'm acting like i am right and then i hurt people and so i think that's also part man, of it too is like that's good so good man. yeah i'm like i don't know that i'm ready to reciprocate this friendship yet so i'm gonna not until i know i'm ready because if i want to care for you well then like that's probably a better route to go Dude, yeah. mic drop it's so good so, so good. <laughs> yeah no that's really good because a lot of there are certain personalities and people that they do that they jump in and then they're like too in too far over their head and then like you said yeah. people get hurt and so that's good. That's some that's some good knowledge right there. <laughs> that might be our first mic drop on the podcast. I think it might be. <laughs> I love it. So great. What's the uh what's the tattoo situation? Um I have six tattoos. Ooh, nice. So I, you pointed here, so I'm guessing. Yeah, I saw one when you did that. Um, okay. <laughs> I can't tell um, what it is. Oh, I was just asking what it was. It's Oh, it says Soli Deo Gloria. It means glory to God alone in Latin. Oh, cool. Nice. Um, It's a long story, but the short version is just like living with the idea of like what, trying to be mindful of what I'm doing and that like there can be purpose in all of it. And um, ultimately I want it to be not a self-centered life, but like living it for the Lord. But like, what does that mean? And that's um, awesome. how can I practically live that out and stuff so um yeah my most recent one is uh this little guy that I got uh actually literally the week everything exploded this year is that a fern um, or what is it it's a fern yeah, yeah. that's awesome 
so I was in Scotland last year and I was in the middle of like literally a mountain with ferns on it and I just it was like one of those things that you're like I think this means something right now I'm just surrounded by them mm-hmm. and so I looked up what they mean and I had already kind of been feeling like a lot of change was about to happen in the fall I just like there was a lot of stuff happening in my life already and it kind of felt like it was coming on and I looked it up and ferns literally mean like new beginning. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, I think that was not, I'm not crazy. I don't think. And then what's crazy is I finally just like, I mean, like literally my entire life changed when I came back from that wow. trip, like everything changed in my life. And then I, when I got the tattoo, like I said, it was a week before COVID struck and then everything else changed in my wow. life. Um, so it's, it's definitely been a very like weirdly prophetic yeah. <laughs> tattoo. But cool. Very yeah. cool. Are there any tattoos that you can't show us? Just kidding. You know, uh, <laughs> I have one on my ribs, so I probably wouldn't Holy show shit, it. Okay. Take shirt off. It's not, <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> that was my first one. It was painful, but yeah. I think I'm coming up on my first tattoo here pretty soon. I don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> I don't have one yet. Um, I'm going to wait till that I'm probably intoxicated to make that decision, but I know it's going to be a good decision. <laughs> Off the top of my head, American flag, lower back, but I'm going to, I'm going to mull over trips, some more. Man. Right in the center, please. Right in the center. Mull over some more ideas before I pull the trigger It better on be it. like waving in the wind uh, yeah, though. Exactly. Yeah, That's it a- might just be waving naturally on my body. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually just like a piercing and like an actual embedded flag yes like wow. a three dimensional tattoo yeah. deep real deep <laughs> oh man alright well this has been awesome thanks so much for coming on Christina yes thank yeah, you thanks for having we will, me. I'm sure we'll have you back for sure it's been awesome thanks. really appreciate you opening up and being so willing to, to yeah, share definitely it's not always yeah. the easiest yeah yeah, glad to be able to. And I hope that there's one day that I can actually come back to Texas and we can get a beer in real life. Yes, or do it. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely hit us up if you head this way. Definitely. All right, thanks. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I'm Cecilia Rhodes. And I'm Joe Hamler. That's been another episode of Tricky, Tricky Situations. situations. <laughs>